0: Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific time. That was our head uh, rocking intro, outro, Pillars of Franchising. Thanks to Greg Markell's uh, Music Lab. Uh, I'm Fred McMurray. I'm in Shell Beach. Take that, Jane. And this is Pillars of Franchising. I'm here with my co-host, Ray Piller, and my co-host, Jane uh, Costu. Jane is our uh, show's woman-splainer, so Ray and I don't screw things up. Jane, how are we doing? You know, we are doing
1: just fine. We are here to talk about women in business today. You know, women in business, it's not what it used to be. They're really on the move. Today, four out of every 10 U.S. businesses are owned by women. And female-led businesses have grown like 58% from 2007 to 2018. Um, NABO, which is the National Association of uh, business, Women Business Owners, says that there are um, 11.6 million firms that are owned by whiz- women, and they employ nearly 9 million people. The top fields, which is kind of cool, is health, business, and fitness. And in the last year, they've actually grown 55% of their businesses in that amount of time. Food and restaurant is the number two industry for women in business. And in the last year, they grew by 45%. Uh, Topping off the top five would be uh, business services, uh, general retail, and education. You know, according to Gradient Financial, it says that we generate, women in business, generate $3.1 trillion in revenue. You know, it's not surprising that um, as the climate of small business continues to change, the numbers to speak for themselves that women in business are turning small business into a big deal.
2: Okay, Ray, top that. <laughs> our two guests are big deals, and I'd like to introduce our guests today, and they are Elizabeth. Listed- Den Denham, uh, who's publisher at the franch- uh, uh franchise the franchise woman. Okay. And, and Selena Hanson mm. is a longtime entrepreneur and marketing maven. So welcome to the show, ladies.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
2: You bet. So I I, I guess the, the the big question is is uh Why are are women excelling so much in in, in the uh, franchise uh, area and in business these days?
0: And by when we mean franchise, we mean in business. Okay. That's what I said. No, you said (laughs) in franchise. So I'm talking in business. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
3: (laughs) Elizabeth, you want to take that one first? Killing me. I or, think Elizabeth. Um, oh, I there we go. Away? There you are. Okay. It's
0: all good. Um, go for it. Oh,
3: I we lost. Video we I, lost everybody. While you're while you're sorting through that, I'll, I'll go I'll ahead. Jump in, bit. please. Please, <laughs> <Exactly>. somebody <laughs> answer it, yes. the question. <laughs> I'm happy to answer the question. Uh, so yes, as the staff show, uh, female entrepreneurship it has been on the rise for a long time. There are a number of reasons for that. We do some studies as well. Um, I'm also involved in the National Association of Women Business Owners. I'm actually the president of the San Diego chapter, so very familiar with those statistics. In our research, women are launching businesses at an accelerated pace for a couple of reasons. I think there's a big, um, I don't know, it's not a misconception, but There is a perception that women are launching businesses for work-life balance. That's talked about a lot, and yes, that is in the top three, but the number one reason women are launching businesses is they want to make an impact on the world, and they don't necessarily feel like they are having that impact in a lot of corporate environments, which is unfortunate and a huge missed opportunity for companies who are losing these very smart, talented women. To entrepreneurship, um, which we're excited about because I own a co working space and business accelerator that helps women launch and grow their business. So, the access to tools and resources and even funding has been accelerating. Just speaking, uh, I'll wrap up with speaking about uh, the private equity market. So, uh, we've made gains, we have lots more gains to make to get to even. But angel investments uh, is flowing more so uh, within the female entrepreneurial space. There's about 25% of angel investors are women now, which is a big increase from 10 years ago. And about 25% of women receive angel investment dollars. Interesting correlation there. In the venture capital markets, we've got a long ways to go. It's only about 3 to 4%. Um, and therefore, women-owned businesses only receive about 3 to 4% of the venture capital dollars that are out there so i'll leave it at that and elizabeth i'll uh, i'll let you uh, chime in here
4: well I, I agree with a lot of what you said um i'm doing the franchise women so i'm talking about women and franchising more but also there there are opportunities to for entrepreneurship and there's necessity to offer entrepreneurship as well so a lot of women who have taken time off from corporate america and find that they feel like they've lost time opportunity for acceleration and for executive level entry is is lost, they feel, and, and because they're made to feel that way a lot. Um, so I think a lot of it is to do with if the opportunity and where you are in your life in terms of have if you have taken time off, if you are not necessarily college educated, but you have a skill that you've done for a long time, the opportunity to own your own business. Like just said, the funding opportunities are growing. They're still not acceptable. Um And and the the fact that women have leadership skills, there's a Harvard Business Review study, uh, took a survey and and found that women rank higher than men in 17 out of 19 leadership qualities. It wasn't a significant higher ranking, but um, it was enough to show that women have all of the qualities of leadership and why shouldn't they take advantage of those in the market. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really true. You guys talked a little bit about
1: um gender inequality here when it wait, comes wait, to wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Come on, come on. Go back. Go back. <laughs> Let me in here. Um, because a couple of questions. What uh would each of you say are the top three uh places women uh entrepreneurs should go for funding and any idea on what the best types of businesses are to get funding?
3: Yeah, I'll jump in and I'll start. I'll start Go ahead. that off. Um, so. There's a lot of misconceptions around uh, what is a fundable business. A fundable meaning from an equity perspective, getting investors, whether that's friends, family, and pools, as they talk about a lot, that's kind of early money into uh, a venture. Uh, next, on the equity side, usually comes angel money, which is, you know, it could be an individual investor who has some extra money, and they believe in what you're doing, and then all the way up to the big levels in venture capital and, of course, IPO. The problem is, I would say just ballpark number, uh, statistic um, percentage, if you will, is probably at least 90% of businesses are not equity-backed type businesses. They are going to be much more um, (laughs) fruitful in their search if they look on the debt side of things. So unless you have a highly scalable business, um, that usually means tech or biotech or clean tech or something with the word tech in it, Gail, don't even go barking at that tree because you're not going to, it's not going to work. So uh, there are lots and lots of debt options out there. Of course, traditional banks, uh, Accion is an amazing nonprofit, national nonprofit organization that does micro Loans up to even a couple hundred thousand for small business owners. Of course, the SBA doesn't lend money directly, but they work with banks to guarantee, usually up to eighty percent of a loan. Um, crowdfunding is huge. We have a lot of members at Hera Hub who have product-based businesses, and they have been very successful through crowdfunding, Kickstarter, kind of the main game with that. I have a member who is a crossbody handbag. She's done three. Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, And her second campaign, she raised over a million dollars to manufacture these bags. Um, She's now selling over half a million dollars a month in handbags all over the world. And Kickstarter was a big part of that. So, you know, there's a lot of options out there on the angel side. uh, There are a lot of female focused funds, Uh, ones called All Raise, Golden Seeds. Um, There are many, many out there. So, Know what kind of business you have and if you have a business that should be looking for debt or equity. What do you think, Elizabeth? I agree with all
4: that. And you you touched on all the high points, I think, in terms of finding funding. But also, I think one thing to remember, um, I, I interviewed a woman for our first issue of the magazine who was trying to get a loan to franchise. And she ended up going on Shark Tank and winning. And they said, no, we don't think you should franchise. You've got, you're doing great. Your numbers are great. Just license and own everything. Well, her business was so hands-on, she's like, I can't run more than one location. And so she kind of mm-hmm. stuck with it and convinced um, her, her Shark Tank advisor was Barbara, eventually came around to the idea of franchising. And so when she went to go get funding, everybody turned her down. It was all these men lenders, and nobody got her concept. She owns a children's play space where she hosts parties, and she can do it on-site or at her location and all these things. But she kept trying. I mean, the thing about her was failure was not an option and giving up was not an option. So knowing the options that Selena listed, but in but also knowing your business and knowing what's right for you, whether you need to maintain ownership of all those or you want to go into something like franchising and sticking to what you know is right for you, and then finding someone who's willing to, to, to work with you and take the risk.
0: Okay, so you just said something there that I'll, I'll, I'll make this my last my last comment, then turn it back to Jane, but you said, um, she knew failure wasn't an option. Um, you know, it was, it was basically do or die. Um, doesn't everybody know that that's in business?
4: I don't think so. I, I don't think everybody has that degree of determination. You know, um,
2: uh, I, I know that for a fact, I yeah. I know a few entrepreneurs and uh, it seems like, well, if I don't make it past X point, I'm just going to close it up. And that's, you know,
3: yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, at least in the space I'm in, have what I call shiny object syndrome as well. (laughs) Um, and so they'll be, you know, going down a path and, you know, working, working, and then they, you know, get a little discouraged and somebody else has this shiny object over here that they're like, Oh, maybe I'll go do that. Right. And so they just go from thing to thing to thing. And of course they're never going to see success because they never, stick with it right they right. never ride right. it out they're, they're i call honest, it um career add <laughs> yes
4: yes exactly yes exactly. No. I, I call it i know some people who
5: have that you know?
0: i call it homer simpsonism
5: well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so take us away jane before i keep going <laughs> bring bring us back to normal that is so funny <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it is interesting when it comes with the, the fear of failure. Sometimes it's a learned thing on how to learn how to work through that individually. Have you guys met people then and talked with people who've had to literally work through the process? And, and what do they do to get
4: through that? Well, I, I have a specific story about that. I, um, for our next issue, I've interviewed this woman called Princess Rosario San Diego. She's in the Philippines. And she owns What's Your Flan? It's a flavored flan franchise, and she um, had 14 failed businesses before she hit it. Her What's Your Flan is the 15th business, and oh, her husband okay. kept telling her, it's okay to fail. You, you just have to succeed one time. Mm-hmm. And at one point, What's Your Flan was not doing well, and he, he kind of let her have it and said, uh-uh, you're not giving up on this one. You're going to make this work. And so she kept going, and she had no sales. One summer was so slow, she had nothing she pushed through and I, I you know when you say the fear of failure I don't think anybody should be afraid to fail otherwise you don't do
5: anything you're you're frozen
3: in that
4: fear and if you go into it knowing that if it's if it's you know it's a teachable thing I think failure is as great a greater lesson or greater than success and mm. that's what she's discovered and she tells that story a lot she's she started from with 20 bucks in her kitchen with some flan, and she said my husband had financed the other 14 but I had my 20 bucks and I financed it myself and she's going to have a hundred franchises by the end of the year. So I think that not being afraid of failure is the key.
0: Yeah. Um,
4: very very wise.
0: Wow. I think yeah. I just heard a story I think about something... a man nagging a woman to success. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that is. That was absolutely not the intention of my story.
0: No, but that's kind of yeah. what I, that's what I, please, somebody else tell me about that it means <laughs> there's the hope for person.
4: me it's not nagging yeah <laughs> you can do it
5: it's i don't failure. know if
1: there's much hope right now fred you're going to get yourself with some hot water <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i've also found sometimes when something fails it's such a great opportunity to use it as a catapult to to grow into something even more even on a small minute level when you have a customer who's dissatisfied and you failed them in some way or another regardless of fault you can use that to turn it around to, to get more loyalty or to actually move them into another area of your business where they can then succeed with you as well. So I think failure is not only something that you shouldn't be afraid of, but it's something you can use as a catapult into growth. And that's an important, I think, lesson that I've learned through the years um, as a businesswoman, realizing that if I can embrace it and internalize it in the right way, I can then grow from that as well as my customers can grow from that. So, yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's just something no one likes to do. Right.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. So I um, um, I was just going to say, I I write on the side a personal thing called embrace your reality, which is exactly what you're talking about, which is to say embrace the crap, you know. Embrace the things that go wrong because that's where you learn and that's where you grow and that's what you can use for the next thing. So I think I completely agree with you on that. So, did you write that article,
1: or are you just thinking about writing it?
4: No, I wrote an article. It was on the Huffington Post about embracing your reality.
0: <laughs> we will add it to yeah. the profile. What a
4: great job! Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so you know, when you when you come to you know being in your own reality and taking failure and springboarding off from that, do you find that a lot of women kind of shy away from some of the things that they are um, accomplished in? There an, um, an amount of timidity in some situations with women.
4: Yeah, Selena, do you want to take that one first? No,
3: go for it. Okay. (laughs)
4: Um, (laughs) I can't relate to it at all. Oh, that's so funny. Well, what, what they, you know, in the Harvard Business Review study, and then there was an article in the Atlantic that talks about this very thing, and it talks about a confidence gap between men and women and how that's a myth. Women are actually at least as confident as men in what they can do. What they're not quite as good at is self promotion and owning it when they are in a room full of. Full of business people or colleagues. And I think that um, one of the things I've learned uh, when I was trying to, I was, I had a book and I was trying to sell it and I was, you had to build your own platform. And, and the same thing with the magazine, you have to build your personal brand. That's a huge thing right now. And in order to do that, you have to self-promote. So you have to let go of holding back your accomplishments. And I think that's hard for a lot of women. I think you, people think you should be modest. You're taught not to brag about yourself. You know, my parents, taught us not to brag on ourselves and and our accomplishments, but I think you, you you can do it in such a way. And I've had to teach my daughter this. She's going to be a journalist and that's, you got to have some thick skin. So I think um, learning how to promote yourself in a way that you're still comfortable. You don't want to come off as braggy, but you know what? You've got to own it. You've got to say, you know, I did this thing. I'm I'm starting this magazine and you know, you, you need to listen to what I have to say because I have a voice, you know, and sometimes you fake it till you make it. You know, I read a compliment about me on one of my books and Someone said that I was a relationship expert, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go add that to my profile right now. I'm a relationship expert. I'm just, if mm-hmm. he said it, it must be true, right? So I think overcoming the perception that we're not confident is, is part of the reason, you know, part of the thing that we as women have to be cognizant of. is It's, it's a misperception that women aren't confident in their abilities, I think. Would you agree with that, Selena?
3: Um, it's interesting because i I hope that's the case, Elizabeth, but <laughs> I, I do see another side. I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, women need to, I think, embrace the fake it till you make it more mm-hmm. than we do, or at least the, the types of businesses that I see. Um, men, I think are broadly better than that. And a lot of times they're showing up for situations that they're not even close to qualified for, but they say, they think they are, or they, you know, fake it till they make it. And people believe it. So I see women yeah. holding themselves. That is the number one challenge that I see for female entrepreneurs: is owning it, claiming it, being confident. I do think, at, sadly, there is a confidence gap. So I'm super happy to to hear that you <laughs> you're not seeing that. That's great. Well, and I think that it's
4: part of it is how we present ourselves. And, and being assertive and speaking what we know to be true and this harvard yep. business review actually spoke to what you just said that men who are not men in, if you have a man and woman who are equally unqualified for a job the man will say eh, close enough i'm going to go yep. for it and the woman yep. will hold back and say i'm going to wait yep. till i'm ready that that's, and that's yep. a gap i think that needs to be addressed because sometimes you, the faking it till you make it you take the job and you
3: figure it out you know yep. and exactly you can do that Yep. You are absolutely right. So I think the the key that we see to success for female entrepreneurs, and it's all the things we're talking about. Surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Stay away from the naysayers. There will be plenty. Sometimes your your family members, your <laughs> you know your spouse, your mom, whomever, your neighbor. You need to stay away from those people and you need to own your confidence and own the fact that you can figure it out and surround yourself with other aspiring entrepreneurs, growing entrepreneurs. That's why organizations like the National Association of Women Business Owners mm-hmm. um, and um, co-working spaces in general, that's why they have grown so significantly is it's all of us working alone together, so mm-hmm. to speak.
2: One of the things we talk about on the show uh, when we talk about successful entrepreneurs is passion, passion for their business. Do you feel, and I don't know who wants to answer this one first, that a woman could be more passionate about the business they're involved in?
3: Uh, I'll just jump in here quickly. I think women, by and large, this is a generalization, but by and large, women start businesses for two reasons. To help people or to heal themselves and stay with me for a minute. Uh, I need a lot of women who have been beat up in corporate or they've been beat up in life or some event happens and they find others that have also you know, been through challenges and they create a business model around that to essentially heal themselves themselves. Um, Or to help others. I mean, how many women do you know? I started this business because there was a problem and I wanted to help people. um, Versus, again, not all men are different than this, but a lot of times they'll see an opportunity to make money and they go for it, which is not a bad thing. Um, Neither are bad, but, you know, when you look at the stats, only 3% of women-owned businesses in the United States ever break the million dollar and annual sales mark and i know that's better in franchising than it is in business in general right but the corollary statistic that goes with that is 87 percent of women-owned businesses in the u.s have zero full-time employees and part of that has to do with risk Uh, it's not only my livelihood, but it's the livelihood of somebody else that I'm responsible for now. I not only have to take care of my family and put food on the table, i got to put food on somebody else's table. And that can be scary for somebody, anybody who's starting a business and trying to grow their business. Elizabeth, do you
2: have any comments on that?
4: Yeah, and I, and I think in franchising, it is a little bit different. Um, but I, I do think that women start businesses more aligned with their passions. And that's something that I talk about a lot in the magazine. We talk about women who are um, fierce, fabulous, and fun, which are the, the passionate ones. Um, I interviewed a lady who uh, does a Smoothie King, and her Christmas parties are at Orange Theory Fitness, and they all go work out together. I mean, so she has incorporated her passion for everything through her business. And a lot of the franchises that are started – when they're the singular business are educational you have fitness ones you have um health health and wellness beauty those sorts of things and so women who have been former teachers who want more control over their career paths and want a, a, a more upwardly mobile <laughs> place to live instead of teaching uh, tend to do those kinds of businesses we have quite a few franchisors who who have done those things so i i see a lot of passion aligned with women and i that's not to say men don't but i do think men are sometimes driven by different things Um, And I I do feel like men are fulfilled by different things too. So not to say one is better than the other, but I do think that the choices we make are as women are more aligned with our passions.
0: Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask the last question before the commercial break. Um, uh, And then after you both finish, we'll head to the commercial. Um, But are there differences in the numbers or the reactions that we've been talking about, uh, I, I for my part, went off and started my business after um, I buried my wife. You know, I was a, to me, that's a work-life balance thing. Um, is there? A, but what I guess I'm trying to ask is, is there a generational differences in a perspective among women? So, in other words, before it was it, – it, has it come more for um, they follow their passion as you grow younger in female entrepreneurs? Or any trends like that, I guess, is my question, if that makes any sense at all.
1: Uh, <laughs> are you saying as we get older, do we
3: lose passion yeah. or have more
1: passion? Is that your question? Um,
3: I, think, I, I think there's a lot at play there. Um, it, so statistically, there are more and more, you know, 20-something starting businesses, but they are different kinds of businesses, right? It's, um, you know, it's more so I don't want to go work for the man kind of thing. And so I'm going to Uber and do graphic design and pick up jobs on TaskRabbit. Um, I'm going to be more of a, you know, a freelance nation kind of um, business owner, if you will. Um, The challenges I know for myself, I went and worked for somebody else in my 20s and started my first business at age 30 because I knew I needed some skills and some life experience before becoming an entrepreneur, frankly. Um, But I think what's at play with a lot of the women I see at Terra Hub and our our multiple communities is... um, you know, fear and understandably so around, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids to feed. I got to put money for college funds. I mean, there's once we become adults, adults, (laughs) you know, we, you know, we have a lot on our plate. And so that, I think the opportunity to start a business before you get the mortgage and the 2.5 kids is, um, (laughs) is a great idea. And, and lots of people are doing that as we, as we get older, our members are more so, more so that second career. They, they've done their time in corporate. They perhaps took a little time off to spend time with family, you know, get kids go, you know, off to school and whatnot. And they don't want to go back to that corporate grind. Um, they want to make an impact yeah. on the world. And so that's when they turn to entrepreneurship. Um, and then later in life, it's a great time to start a business because you're more footloose and fancy free. Maybe kids are gone. You're, you know, super knowledgeable about whatever industry you're in. You've built lots of great contacts. Um, and so we do see the baby boomer market um, more and more uh, launching businesses, um, whether in franchising or just in general. It's a great, great time for that. So this this trend of entrepreneurship is is reaching almost every age group.
0: Elizabeth.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think that too. Some of the women I've talked to in franchising um, are accidental franchisers. <laughs> they um, started as a side hustle. They wanted to make a little extra money while they were able to have flexibility and stay in with their kids. And then suddenly, it became a thing. Um, Shannon Wilburn had a pop-up consignment sales business, and it started in her garage and moved to a church and moved to a location, and everybody was loving it. It was women's and uh, children's and maternity items, and suddenly, she's franchising all over the country, and that was not necessarily her original intention, so I think sometimes those things catch on. You know, you you have a passion. You want a little extra money. You do something that fits into your lifestyle and what you're already doing, and then the next thing you know, you know, you've made good choices, and you're booming, so I, I think sometimes it's not even as intentional as some people, you know, clearly you have to make good choices and work hard and have a good work ethic and have opportunity. But I think, um, back to the passion thing, when you, when you're doing something you love, it's not so much work. So these, some of these women have started so small, they didn't have any idea where they would be today.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I totally agree with what you both said. And I'll tell you, uh, I truly believe in, um, uh, doing what you have a passion for. However, there are some days that suck and you don't get coffee, and that's all I'll say.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, we want to uh, take a break for our sponsors, uh, and I want to thank the Lincoln Local Network for broadcasting us. I want to remind people that, oh, I haven't been watching, but, oh, for the people on the website, uh, pillarsoffranchising.com website, you can uh, chat at me. Uh, I see you hanging out there listening. Uh, you can also dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now from a word from our first sponsor.
5: Hey franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y dot com.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Michelle's my partner. So, Ray, Jane, who's taking us into the next section?
2: Well, I I have a a story I'd like to tell, a personal story. Um, As some of our audience may know, my wife passed away two years ago, and uh, she was my business partner, and we started the business together. She worked outside of the business to help fund it for a while, and and, uh, I worked in the business, and then when it every time I'd ask her, is it time? Do you want to come into the business now? Because, you know, we're at a point where that can happen. She said, no, no, I, I'm not a manager type person. Or I'm not a leader. And she gave, a, you know, a lot of excuses. Um, but then it came to a point where, you know, she she needed to come in. And she did come in. And I'll tell you, it was like, wow, this woman took over, even though she said that, uh, you know, she couldn't do it. It, it. it was just amazing. It transformed the business and, and excelled exceedingly. So I, I think what I want to say is to the women out there is, you know, if, if you are raised in, uh, in a typical stereo, typical atmosphere in your household, try to, you know, look beyond that because you are capable of doing it. So anybody want to comment on that?
4: Go right ahead. Yeah, I would. Um, I think that's a great story, and I think that a lot of women. I live in the Gulf Coast of Alabama, and, and a lot of stereotypical points of view uh, toward women and stay at home and raise your kids and that kind of thing. And my my daughter is now 21, and when she was young, she would always wanted to be a doctor, always, always. And when she was about 14, this male doctor said to her, "Well, why would you want to be a doctor? You want to have a family? Just be a nurse." you know and luckily she had been raised to think he was the idiot you know and uh she's about to go to work for the washington post in may so i kind of want to find him and say see you know don't hold my kid back if she had not been raised that way so many girls are raised to think that that's what just be a nurse or just be a whatever just just
3: you Mm -hmm. know and
4: that's a terrible word and women tend to use it a lot to play themselves down and so um I I think it's a great point that you make and I think it's uh, a great story that she was able to come in there and just stick it with you.
3: Elizabeth, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, So what we do at Hara Hub, we actually implemented this recently. Anytime somebody says a minimizing word, Mm -hmm. like just (laughs) Just or little, I I, I just have this little business, right? Mm -hmm. So we challenge them. They have to use the word awesome instead. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to challenge everybody listening. The next time you go to use a minimizing word, catch yourself and say, "I started this awesome business."
4: (laughs) I think that's great. You can do a, you know, quarter like a curse jar. (laughs) Yes,
3: exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, how many men? I'm sorry, but how many men do you hear say? I just started this little business, Mm -hmm. right? You don't hear that. So, like, get (laughs) rid of it, ladies, and, like, own it.
4: Well, and that's, you know, this man in the story put that word on her, just be a nurse. I think it minimizes nurses, which is an incredibly admirable job. Yes. But then it minimizes her goals. So I think it's a great thing to try to change the dialogue
0: a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so um, I heard I've been known to say I'm just a pain in the butt. So you'd say (laughs) I should be saying I'm an awesome pain in the butt.
5: I can do that.
0: I can do that. I will.
1: See the things you can learn, Fred.
0: (laughs) My managing partner. Time out, time out. My managing partner is a woman. My first investor is my ex-wife and an RN nurse. And I do this job so I can turn it over to my granddaughter in 20 years. Please <laughs> yes. don't tell me. I can learn. I got women all around me telling me stuff.
1: You're surrounded, Fred. There's a special place in heaven for you, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: And I intend, <laughs> as you know, I intend to avoid that as long as possible because I'm coming up on one year of life. So it's all good.
1: Yay. <laughs> Yay, Fred. Just another few weeks.
5: Yeah. Just a few notes. You know,
1: yeah. it, it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So it's a struggle for women. I'm pulling us back in here, Fred. Back. in we go. Um, there's an internal conflict that women go through in order to be looked at as respected leader, um, and there's there's a difference between being a shrewd business person and being a shrew. And often, what a man would say makes him sound like a shrewd business leader, and what a woman would say, even with the exact same words, makes her sound like a shrew. So, what do you do to combat? that gender inequality when you're walking into a business meeting, for instance?
3: Yeah, I I think I'll just mention this real quick and then jump in here, Elizabeth. Um, There, this has been demonstrated many, many, many times over, just going back to the fundraising conversation uh, in pitches. Uh, So pitching businesses, you know, Shark Tank is a pitch as well, of course, Mm -hmm. but Uh, in more, you know, angel competition pitches or venture capital pitches. And there's been a lot of studies done on this. And women tend to get more defensive type questions. Um, So how are you going to mitigate Uh, this or how how are you going to make sure this doesn't happen and men by both women and men asking the questions right so it's not just men that are asking these more defensive questions of women it's women as well uh versus a man would be what you know what are your goals towards this more positive tone questions as opposed to defensive type questions so it's just paying attention to that language, and I cr- I will correct people as you've seen. If somebody asks a question or they say something minimizing, I will stand up and say, you know what? This is probably what you actually meant, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And and it's just it's it's a fact of life. I, I'm I see it all of the time. I'm in commercial real estate, and I'm going through it right now. My male broker is negotiating with another male broker, and they're saying things that I don't think they would say to a male client. Uh, so I just I decided to go around them. I went straight to my landlord, and I walked out of the door two hours ago with a great deal on a least renegotiation because I just cut out the middleman and said, screw it, I'm going to do this myself.
4: <laughs> well, it's so true. And it's, it's such a, it's a difficult thing to navigate because, you know, if you, if you correct people or become defensive and you're labeled a certain way and, and you know, and in terms of what, I think what Felina said is very true, correcting the language and I, I do a lot of interview coaching for young people, and I talk to them about steering the conversation in the direction they would like it to go. You don't necessarily have to answer the question asked. If you have a story you want to tell, you work that into the answer through the back door. So I think that there are ways to control language. Just like she said, here's what I think you really mean, or here's what I think is more important to know and understand and look at my plan and look at my numbers and look at what I am going to achieve rather than how I'm going to mitigate loss. Um, it is a fine line, and it's, it's an incredibly difficult thing, and I've, I've actually left a business networking group over misogynist men in Alabama <laughs> because I tried to help change the atmosphere, and they were not having it, so like she said, mm-hmm. sometimes you just cut those people out, too, <laughs> depending on what level we're at. You know?
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll just I'll add to that. I have learned to not let it affect me, not let mm-hmm. my blood pressure, you know, get, get all tied up as I have those conversations. So what I do is I put the biggest smile on my face Mm -hmm. that I can, and it's a little bit (laughs) overdone, but I'm like, probably what you meant to ask was, you know, big Mm -hmm. smile on my face. Right. So it's not, it's hard to get defensive at somebody when they've got a big smile on their face. Right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Body language can make all the difference.
5: Yes. So, All right.
0: So wait, time out, time want... out, time out, time out. I get a follow up. I get a follow up. So, um, how are men different when responding? Because what I heard described is what I always call the good old boys' network, mm-hmm. is, is what you, you described. And I spent time in two years in a, a, a beef slaughterhouse. Um, so I can tell you what I understand that mentality that you're talking about. So my question is: Is how do men respond differently than how you've gone to respond? Does that make sense? Because you said it's very hard. It's very hard for people to get um, uh, defensive with somebody who's uh, positive and uplifting um and i'm thinking about some of my reactions and my words were never positive or uplifting <laughs> so t- is that a normal male reaction or how does how do in your viewpoint men react differently for the most part when
3: i i'm not sorry i'm going to be honest i don't exactly know it <laughs> i don't quite understand okay. your question but I'm going to go with men don't have to because they're not asked those types of questions by and they, large. Sorry. I'm just going to, I'm going to say That's it. Fine. So I don't have an answer for you because I, I don't see men being asked, you know, these more defensive questions by and large as, as women do. So I don't know, Elizabeth, do you understand the question? <laughs> not, not a hundred percent clearly, but I. Fair <laughs> enough. I think that,
4: um, you know, in, this, in the experiences I've had in that networking group, the men would make comments about women's physical appearances, or it would be completely inappropriate. And so to steer the conversation in a different direction immediately, and I, I even tried to call a meeting with the executive board and say, we need to address this, and nobody wanted to hear it. So when you hit the wall like that, you kind of back off. But, you know, and one thing I think you do is, I, I was in a situation with a judge one time, I used to do social security disability, and he was known to call female representative little lady. <laughs> um and he was very condescending to women in general and so what you have to do is just win your pace so sometimes you know as much as it's painful to have to feel like you have to perform even better you do and and you just show them that you're not an idiot you know what you're talking about and you know that little lady is gonna be a hard pull to follow when i went you know <laughs> so i mean it's, it's a difficult thing and that good old elizabeth
3: says- yeah. Go
0: you nailed it
3: Will you just come back with it? Uh, yes, little man. Right. <laughs> <And the laughs> was. Your face. <laughs> he he was a little man too. So oh. But the, see
4: See, um,
1: you're 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 factual. This is yes, totally factual. It is.
0: No, you oh punch him in the God. face is what you said, which is I, I understand that. Jane, now take us onwards.
1: <laughs> okay. So you're, you're in a networking group or something with people who are not supporting you, regardless of their gender, age, race, whatever. Um, how important is it to have a network that you can work well with and what does it do for women when they're in business and they're surrounded themselves with a network that does well for them?
3: It's everything. It's 100% everything. And as you said, Elizabeth, when that group isn't working for you, you go start your own damn group. Like, exactly. you know, I mean, it's like, life is too short to be running around with at like, Well, idiot. So
4: well, and I think networking is everything. And I think you find the group that best fits what you're looking for and what you need. Whether that's a group of all women, whether it's a group of men and women, um, I've done all of those. I've, I've done groups with men and women. I've done groups of women. I actually have a, a an every other Friday meeting with a friend of mine, and it's just the two of us, and we bounce ideas off each other. No question is too stupid. Nobody's going to judge anybody. And and as creatives, we both feed each other ideas. And, and you you know when you have someone like that, whether it's one or ten, it feeds that creativity, and it feeds your ideas, and it feeds your motivation. And then we're accountable to each other two weeks later to say, Here's what we accomplished that week. So I I think regardless of the size of your networking group, clearly you want to get out and and, be seen and be in a community and and have a presence. But but in terms of productivity, you find what works best for you and who's going to best support you and your goals moving forward.
0: Time to pay the bills. Time to pay the bills. Thank you, Ray. (laughs) want to thank the link local network for broadcasting our show you can dial in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five that's three two three five eight zero five seven five five and people on the site please send a question or just keep listening and now a word for our sponsors
2: ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is TheFranchiseConsultingCompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072.
0: And since we're still waiting for our Are you
2: thinking about opening a business? Whether you're in transition from a corporate job... Looking to generate investment income, add to your existing business or just too young to retire? Come to the Great American Franchise Expo and explore your options. Meet face to face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com. The Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules.
0: And as I missed my cue earlier,
2: one, I'll tell you, the next
0: uh, Franchise Expo is February 16th and 15th. In 2020, in Dallas, the Irving Convention Center. And as I missed the cue earlier, you can fill out the form on the Pillars of Franchising uh, website, or PillarsOfFranchising.com website, and we'll get you a copy of Nick's book. Nick is coming up within the next uh, three weeks, so we're going to have him back and talk to him about Greek food and franchising. So, Ray, back to you. Your question.
2: Well uh you know I was trying to think uh um, why is it uh, men talk to women the way they do, and I know uh, a lot of times men when they talk to other men they're cognizant of their other man's ego, and I think that may be dropped when they're talking to women they're not conscious of the ego and they and they start talking uh in such a way that it could be harmful do you any of you feel that that is uh, possibly one of the problems uh when uh, men talk to women in business? They're not cognizant of their ego and, <laughs> and they may step right uh, over it. <laughs> uh,
3: I'm not a man, so I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on in men's heads most of the time. Yeah,
2: do I. <laughs> so, okay. Elizabeth,
1: you got any insights on that?
4: <laughs> well, I don't know what goes on on the why either, but I also think that as women, um, so often we haven't set the boundaries that we should have. We've You know, when you're in the group trying to break into C-level positions and ownership and things like that, you're so much more careful because you want to be seen as an equal and you want to have the opportunity. You don't want to blow it or you don't want to get on somebody's bad side. And I think the the problem of setting a boundary that's going to be well-received and not alienate someone um, is a difficult place to live. Like, where is that civil discourse going to come from that you can say, Hey, that's not okay with me. And a man's going to say, "Oh, sorry." Instead of, "What's wrong with you? Why are you so sensitive?" You know. (laughs) So I think that that doesn't explain the why, but it explains maybe why it's continued and why we need to learn to set better boundaries in these conversations. Mm
3: -hmm. And And sometimes
4: it's worth leaving a group over. You know, that I that I did.
3: And and that's 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 a great point, Elizabeth. (laughs) Really great (laughs) point. Thank you. How can
2: women and men? Talk to women entrepreneurs in in a better way. What do you feel like uh, each one of us can do to uh, encourage women in business?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you have thoughts on that, Felina? Uh, You know, just be be. Contrast of all the things that we're talking about you know go out of your way to to support a, a woman in business um you know both with your dollars and your mentoring i mean i started a female focused co-working space and business accelerator but we are not exclusive to women we need men to be part of this conversation it is important and so alienating men is not the answer, but inviting them into our boardroom, which we built with some clear boundaries and ground rules, um, is what we have, have chosen to do. And we do have men that that come in and participate and are members in our community. Um, so, you know, just be sensitive to some of these things. It, it It is more difficult in a lot of ways for women to raise capital, for women to you know, access certain resources. And it is, a, it is a network. It is an old boys network. I didn't go to Harvard. So I don't have those same, you know, connections. And a lot of times I feel like I'm fighting for those, frankly. Um, so, you know, just be, be open and listen and be conscious.
4: Yeah, and I, I think to carry her point more forward is, is um, if I were going to give a man advice about these kinds of conversations, I would say start with a question. Ask a woman, what is, what? Tell me about your business. What are your goals? How did you get where you are? Why do you want to do what you do? And invite the conversation mm-hmm. to be in a professional manner instead of making assumptions or thinking that you already know why and how and you know how right. she got where she right. is. And I think that that, in in terms of overcoming any kind of conflict, um, I think starting those conversations. And I think as a woman, if somebody's bothering you in a way that they're addressing you, just Going to lunch or coffee or a drink and saying, "Look, I just want to talk to you about this and how this makes me feel. And can we, can we come at this from a different way? I mean, and that that takes individual work. It's not going to change anything overnight with a you know vast amount of people. But I think that those conversations, it, it, being aware from both sides, you know, I've, I've dealt with so many older white men in Alabama who just don't know. <laughs> and so to say you know what that makes me feel uncomfortable but can we talk about why you're saying that you know (laughs) you know so I mean sometimes you just have to hit it head on
2: (laughs) you're probably right they don't they don't know any better and uh, a a lot of men uh, gender stereotyped immediately
4: right and and, you know when they've not been exposed to that it's, it's with any group that's different than you if you've not been exposed to diversity of of people in business You've got to find that common ground to have the conversation and understand where people are and where they want to go and how you can help each other get there.
5: Yep.
0: Okay, so before, Jane, uh, Jane before you ask the last the last questions, I'll let you take Ray's last question this month, uh, this week, rather than, so Ray already shot his wad there. Um, the question I'm going to ask is, is, or the comment I'm going to make is, I also know what old white men in Oklahoma and (laughs) Kansas are like, and I got to assume they're just, they were just as bad as Alabama. So that's my comment.
4: (laughs) Okay. I'll give you that.
0: Um, So then my question is, uh, this is the, the, she makes grandpa's heart go pity pat. So this is the Addison question. She's two years old. Um, And she's phenomenal. But what advice would you give her that she'll hear as she gets older um, to be successful?
3: Yeah, so I'm going to give you a book to read. Uh, It's called The Confidence Code. It was written by two female journalists. There's a ton of research in that book, and it talks about the disparity, the discrepancy between uh, confidence levels in men and women. And the number one piece of advice there is uh, it's really about uh, building confidence through goal setting. So allowing uh, your uh, two-year-old to, as she gets older, to set her own goals and to celebrate the incremental success of those goals. It teaches her how to build confidence in herself and also how you speak with her. Um, We alluded to this earlier in part of the conversation, uh, Elizabeth, I think you had mentioned this, uh, how we even speak to little girls and boys, instead of saying, you know, be polite, be careful, you know, it's it's, go for it, it's you got this, it's, you know, think about, like, think about, you know, how you would speak to a, a boy, frankly. um, And those things build confidence. My dad, who lives on the Central Coast and runs a small business there, told me every single day how proud of uh, how proud he was of me. That's his main thing he would say every single day. And it it worked. I am incredibly confident (laughs) Um, so think about how you're speaking to children, ask, you know, girls to, to stand up, stand out, don't sit still, don't be quiet, <laughs> just be bold and go for it. <laughs> right, be bold. Elizabeth. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And,
4: and, um, I do some work with the Optimist Club down here and one of the opening lines of their creed is be so strong in yourself that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. And uh, I fall back on that a lot. And I think in raising my daughters and my sons, but we talk a lot about finding your voice and knowing who you are and owning it. And my my daughter is going to be a reporter, and she had her in her freshman year her first little article published for her school paper online. Her first
3: her first awesome article, Elizabeth. Her first awesome <laughs>
4: article. I can't believe a little. Well, compared to where she is now, she's she's actually going to work for the Washington Post in June.
5: <laughs> so it was little. Literally- <laughs>
0: Sorry, that wouldn't shut off there, but go for it.
4: (laughs) But she got a negative comment on one of her first stories, and she called me because I've had this experience writing on The Huffington Post where I've had 270 comments and 250 of them were vicious. And she thought I was going to be, oh, poor you, poor you. And I said, no, no, no. This is your moment in life where you're going to decide, do you have something to say? And if you do, then you ignore that, and you go on and you say what you have to say. And if you think this is going to bother you now – if this first article of your career to where you're going to be, then this is not the career for you. So having her answer that question, are you someone who has something to say? Do you know who you are? Did you do the right thing? Did you do a good job? Did you do your research? So I think, you know, teaching them, do your research, do your homework, do the right thing. And when you know, you've done those things, then you have nothing to lose by owning it and using your voice. So that's what I would tell (laughs) you.
0: Awesome. Jane, take us out. Last question.
1: Okay, all right. So crystal ball into the future. What no,
0: that's EPCs? not wrong. No, wrong last question. Ray's last question. <laughs> How do they get a hold of you? How do our listeners get a hold of you?
1: We're uh-huh. short on time. Oh, I see. Okay. How do people get in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Selena, what did you go? Yeah, sorry, I've gotta I gotta bounce here in a minute. Um So Hera, Great goddess of Women, uh, so H-E-R-A hub, herahub.com, and uh, this is the contact link. Um, That's the best way.
0: Elizabeth. All right.
3: Uh,
4: We are at thefranchisewoman.com. We have a contact form there as well, and we're all over social media for the Franchise Woman. So we would love to hear from you.
0: All right, folks. Uh, check the site for more details. We want to thank our guests Felina and Elizabeth, and our special co-hosts Jane, Ray, and I'm. We're out of here until next week. Uh, be profitable, be good, and enjoy life.
5: Yeah. Yeah.